Hey guys, my name is Pastor Ron. So glad that you tuned in to the podcast of Allentown Fellowship Church. Each week we're going to endeavor just to walk through the Bible book by book and then give you some truths that you can apply to your life. So welcome to the AFC podcast. Trust and pray that God's word today will be a blessing to you. chapter 11. So here's the title, since I know Monique likes titles. Yeah, I've been trying to do stuff, you know, to tease my wife. Things are not as they seem to be. There's the title for the message. All right, babe? Okay. But as we've been dealing with uh, Romans, let's talk about a little recap again. Keep in front of us what's going on here. Israel as a nation was chosen by God to be the people he would work through. And it's important to kind of keep that in our minds. Israel was under what was known as a theocracy. God chose that nation and was working directly with that nation through the prophets. We don't live in a theocracy right now. I know some people believe, this will spark some emails, that America is God's chosen nation. No, it's not. No, it's not. There's only been one chosen nation in history. That was the nation of Israel. And God chose them for a particular time, for a particular reason, made special promises to that. Well, why then? Because God's sovereign and he can choose who he wants. That's what Paul has basically been breaking down in this book. Okay? So, Israel, God's chosen people. God showed the other nations around Israel his power and sovereignty. So he chose this group of people and throughout history would work through these people, the promises that were given, the prophets, his sovereignty, his power will be shown that there is only one God, Jehovah. So the other nations around Israel would look at them and say, wow, who is this God of yours? It's not like the God that we worship, small g, right? So God had Israel as a spokesperson, if you will, to demonstrate who God is, who God is. Through Israel, the Messiah would come. And that's probably one of the, one of the most precious reasons that that nation was chosen wasn't so much about Israel, per se, it was about my Messiah is going to come through this nation. Right? And then Israel often rejected God through disobedience. Think about that. Even though God, God chose them, many of them rejected him. Many of them rejected him. And, and, and what you see happening here in Romans is like the Jewish people and the Gentiles they understood all of this long history that Israel had. So they're trying to understand, like, where are we at right now? Right? Well, the Messiah has come, the Messiah has gone, and most of Israel rejected him. Think about that. Hundreds of years waiting for the Messiah, all the covenantal promises given to Israel, all the miracles that they saw, all of that. And then Christ finally comes on the scene. Here he is, and they reject him. And then the focus then turned to the Gentiles. 
But that doesn't mean that God has forsaken Israel. And this is what we're going to see in our text today. It doesn't mean that God just kicked them to the curb, even though many of them rejected. And then God always preserved a remnant within Israel in order that God's will would be done. Despite what he chose within Israel to carry on the things that God had determined would happen. That Messiah was coming through Israel. Israel could reject God all they wanted. That Messiah is coming through this group and continue my will through this group. And that's important to keep that in mind as we're reading this. Israel has not been rejected by God. And even though God chose Israel, all, so Paul said, even all who are of Israel are not of Israel. They all don't believe, but God always had a remnant that he was using. Minds, as we um, begin to look at Paul talking now, we'll be saying, well, I guess, you know, Israel was chosen, but they kind of screwed up. So God's done out of any works. We pray that you would bless this time in the word. In Christ's name, amen. Him anticipating these questions, right? Um, has God rejected his people? By no means. Very strong language there. Absolutely not. And then Paul gives a reason. First piece of evidence, Paul says, For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham. So there, God hasn't rejected all of Israel because of their disobedience. Hello, look at me. I'm a Jew. So he uses himself as an example to show that, God, no, God has not forsaken Israel. He says, listen, I'm a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? So now he's going to give a second example. But notice what he says is, first of all, I can tell you God has not rejected all of Israel because I'm a Jew and I'm saved. And God, he says, has those, despite Israel's disobedience, God has not totally forsaken the Jewish people. I'm a Jew, and he chose by his own will, God. Within these people, all you people are going to disobey me? Okay, you know what? I'm going to preserve you guys. Why? Because they were better than these people? No, because God chose them within the nation of Israel. Why? Because I'm sovereign and my will is going to still go forward despite your disobedience. That's powerful. That shows a sovereign hand of God. Okay, And so now notice what he's going to do. He's going to give this other example. He used himself as an example. But now he's going to give the example of what happened with Elijah. Remember the question that he's answering. Has God forsaken his people? So Paul says, no, I'm a Jew. But then he goes on, look at verse 2 again. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. People who... He has already chosen. He was going to use them for a specific work. 
and nothing is going to thwart that. It's going to happen. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah? How he appeals to God against Israel? Now, you would have to go back, and we're not going to take time to go and read the whole account in Kings, but this is where Israel begins to rip down the altars, and they begin to be, worship the pagan god. They begin to just reject Jehovah to the point where Elijah is like the last man standing, the only one standing for Jehovah. And then all of a sudden, King Ahab kind of puts out uh, a death sentence, if you will, and Elijah's on the run, thanks to Ahab's beautiful wife, Jezebel, right? So it appears like the chosen people of God have desecrated the altars, have rejected God, and the only one left standing who's being faithful to Jehovah is Elijah. Do you ever feel that way? Like you're the only one like living as a believer? <laughs> you kind of feel like, does anybody else believe this anymore? Is it just me? Like, this is kind of what Elijah's feeling as he's hiding in a cave, hoping that Jezebel doesn't find him because when she finds him, she's going to kill him. Okay? If you go back in Kings and read the entire narrative. But Paul is making reference to this. As an example, to answer the question, did God reject his people? And so look in verse 3. Here, here's what Elijah, as he was appealing to God, Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Wow. It looks like Israel has totally forsaken Jehovah. And Elijah is feeling like, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one left, God. They've rejected you. And God says, no, 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 no. I have 7,000 men within Israel that I have protected, I've preserved. See, that's the sovereign God. I don't care how bad it is. You know, we, we can't write people off because it appears they are lost, right? It's easy for us to look at a culture, to look at the culture we live in right now. I hear it all the time. People say this culture is just, you know, on its way to hell. There's no, where, where are the godly? We can get into those little pity parties as if like you're the only one or your group is the only one. There, there are people all over the place that God himself in the midst of wickedness. And, and this is what Elijah was, was kind of like, he lost that perspective. In a world country like Togo, where there's witchcraft and ancestral worship and animism and all these things going on, and you go all the way out into the bush and then you meet people in the village and you meet some who know the Lord Jesus Christ <laughs> where all the darkness that's around there and then you meet brothers and sisters in Christ it's so easy to write off nations and people thinking that it's so dark nothing will derail God's purposes and again remember within the historical context here God chose Israel for a specific purpose 
So even within the whole of the nation, that they rejected God. You see, well, well how's God's purposes going to still be fulfilled if the people he chose rejected him? The people that he wanted to use. How? Because God chose a remnant out of the whole. <laughs> you see, God's election, that's where election comes in. That's where grace comes in. Despite their disobedience. We can't feel that we are the only ones living for Jesus. You ever feel that way? Maybe on your job. Maybe in your family. No, God, God has people that he is constantly drawing to himself. The blinders are dropping and they're coming to faith in Christ. There are always others we are unaware of who also believe. We need to be encouraged about that because the, you know, the headlines are dark, right? The culture is dark. You see where our culture is going and it's like, man, is there anyone that still believes? <laughs> Then we got to remember the promise that God said, right? Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail. I don't care how dark it gets in our culture. God is going to continue to build his kingdom. People who come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how dark it gets. And this is why you hear these stories of missionaries that go into the darkest of places to bring the gospel, to bring the message. So, as he appeals to what happened with Elijah, remember, he's using this as an example to answer the question, so has God rejected his people? No, he has not rejected his people. I have kept for myself, verse 4 again, 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Now notice what he says in verse 5. So too, at the present time, Paul talking about during his time now, there is a remnant even now, Paul says, even though when Jesus Christ came and walked on the earth, Israel as a whole rejected him as the Messiah. Even within that rejection, there was a remnant. There will always be a remnant. Paul already gave an example. They, look at me, I'm part of it. Right? Even when we hear Peter preach his first sermon in Acts, and he says, you crucified the Messiah. You, cru you Israel. It's like an indictment on them as a nation. But even within that nation, there was a remnant. There were a group who believed that God preserved. And notice what he says. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. I love that. Not, not chosen because they were part of Israel. Not chosen because they were Jewish. Chosen by grace. Remember we talked about this before. Within a whole context of this book, the Jewish people had a very hard time in their mind in visualizing a Gentile coming to salvation. So if a Gentile wanted to be saved, he had to convert to Judaism. Because we're the chosen ones. How do you know Christ? You, you, you come and you become a Jew like us. Because it's within our ethnicity that you know God because we're the chosen one. You see how they were thinking? And now you hear Paul talking throughout this book that they've been rejected. But there's a remnant from out of them. And it 
has nothing to do with your works or your ethnicity. It has to do with God's grace. Why did the Jewish people miss it? Well, remember, he talked about it prior, about their unbelief. Let's go back a little bit. Remember chapter 10? Look at chapter 10, the beginning of chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is Israel, is that they might be saved. For I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. They were very religious. They had the festivals. They had the covenants. They had the washings. Chapter 10. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That's what the Jews' problem was. Christ was the fulfillment of the law. Christ is the one who actually makes you right with God, not the fact that you're a Jewish person. And they had a hard time breaking out of this mindset, but we're God's chosen. To us, we're given the covenants. To us, we're given the prophets. To us, we are from the patriarchs. Abraham. Yeah, yeah, you are, you are. But if you don't trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will die in your sins. That was like hard for them to, to, to put that together. I thought we were in just because we were chosen. No, you're trying to establish your own righteousness based on your own zeal. But you forgot something, Israel. I chose you that through you the Messiah would come who would be the one who would make every man righteous. They, they, they totally missed it. But even with them missing it in the Old Testament and even now in the New Testament, Paul says there is still a remnant. Verse 5, so too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. Look at verse 6. We're back in chapter 11. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. I love that. This is part of what Israel's problem was. Salvation is through God's grace, not the works of the Jewish people. You can't have grace and works. This is what Paul is harping on. Okay? You can't have grace and works. It is either grace or works. You are either made right by works or by grace. They are mutually exclusive. The Jewish people struggle with the fact of having an outward appearance of righteousness. Eat the right food. Wear the right clothes. Say the right prayers. Do all the ceremonial cleansings. And they look down at everybody who didn't do these outward things, these works. And Paul is just breaking that mindset apart. Say, no, don't you understand that God chose from within Israel, even in this present day, by grace. It's not based on works. Otherwise, grace would not be grace. It comes through faith in Jesus Christ. They wanted their Judaism to count for something. And Paul's like, no, 
Put your Judaism away. It's no different today. God accept me. I don't think I'm such a bad person. At least I'm not like so-and-so. I give money. I'm a missionary. I hand out turkeys at Thanksgiving. I, you know, the, it goes on and on and on. Nothing can make you right in what Christ has done on the cross. Period. This is why many Jewish people, and even in our day today, many people reject, don't know, come to God on their terms. Rather than grace. Here's the thing about grace. You can't do anything. You, it, it, it's either grace or works. These two do not mix. A lot of religions will mix these. So you got to be careful because you'll talk to people who say, do, do you believe Jesus Christ died on the cross? You, you believe it's of grace? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I believe it's of grace. But then they have a system of works that you have to do also. Whether it's knocking on the door or witnessing to people. Whether it's keeping the sacraments. You know, I believe it's grace, but you have to continue to do these things too. Then that's not grace. You cannot mix these two. Grace is totally wrapped up in what Jesus Christ did. Man can't add anything to it. This is one of the hardest things to get people to understand. So again, verse 6 in chapter 11. But if it is by grace... It is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Verse 7. Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it. Israel as a whole, they failed. They failed to get what they were seeking. Being right with God. This righteousness with God. Israel failed to obtain it, what it was seeking. The elect obtained it. Remember, who are the elect? Within Israel that God chose outside of the whole, a piece of the whole. That's what a remnant is, right? You go get a remnant piece of carpet. It's a piece of carpet that was cut from the whole carpet. That's what a remnant is. Right? And they're a little cheaper because they're smaller. <laughs> a little five. Can I get that? Oh, how much is that big one? 500. Nah, you got any remnants? <laughs> oh, here's some little remnants. Some little scraps for $5 a piece. Two by twos. Give me two of those. <laughs> That's what you do when you can't afford a big carpet. You just get about 10 of those bad boys and duct tape them together on the flip side and flip them over. You're welcome. <laughs> God always had. A remnant out of the nation of Israel. Notice what he says. Verse 7. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. Because again, we learned in verse uh, chapter 10, they were trying to do it in their own power. But the rest, notice, I'm sorry, the elect obtained it, the ones God chose out of them. But the rest were hardened. Now he's going to quote Old Testament passages. And I think this is very important to to, to catch this now. Because on the surface, it may sound like God's being unfair. Here's the nation that God chose. But then he only chose a group out of the big group, a remnant. Well, that's, that's not fair. Why did he do that? 
Notice what Paul does. We've already learned in verse 10 because they were seeking to establish their own righteousness. Then he quotes these Old Testament quotes. Look at verse 8. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. Now, again, we don't have time to go in, but I would encourage you to go and read the whole context of these Old Testament passages in Isaiah 65 and then Psalm 69. He's going to be quoting this in the context. You, you can read that and say, well, God, God gave them ears that they would not hear. And, and, and God gave them eyes and now that they don't see. In other words, God blinded them. Now they're walking around in a stupor. Like, oh, right? that's unfair. Why would God do that? Go back and read the context. It was because of their disobedience. It was because of their disobedience. We don't want you, Jehovah. We don't want you, Jehovah. We don't want you, Jehovah. And God said, fine. I'm blinding your eyes. I'm hardening your heart. Remember Pharaoh? That was so unfair. God hardened his heart. No, read the whole context. Pharaoh hardened his own heart towards God. Then God said, you know what? I'm done with you. It's so important that we get that. Paul is giving us the reason why the remnant was chosen out of the whole. This has nothing to do with God being unfair. The whole that was not chosen was disobedient to God. So it was judicial judgment where God said, I'm blinding you. But they were blinded because of their own disobedience. Notice what he says. Ears that would not hear down to this very day. And then Paul quotes David in verse 9. And David says, now he's quoting Psalm 69. Let their table become a snare and a trap. In other words, their blessings. The table represents blessings, right? Let, let their table become a snare and a trap a stumbling block, and a retribution for them. All those blessings they had, that covenantal relationship they had, but because of their disobedience, it's now going to become a snare and a, and, and a trap to them. You, that beautiful, privileged relationship you had with God, because of your disobedience, now you're going to be judged. What a shame. Notice what he says. A stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. This is judgment. This is judgment that God brought upon them because of their disobedience. Because of their refusal to bow the knee to Jehovah. So when, 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 when we look at, okay, so what's happening? Again, let's stay within our historical context. Paul is writing to a church that has Jews and Gentiles in it. that are both Christian, but there's probably more Gentile believers, perhaps in this church, than Jewish believers. That are, hey, whatever happened to Israel? I thought they were God's chosen. Did God kick them to the curb? No, God didn't kick them to the curb. 
You go back and read the book of Acts. When 3,000 people were added to the church, I believe those were Jewish people. Jewish people were getting saved. But it wasn't like the whole nation was coming to know him because of their rejection. But Paul used himself as an example. But God is still saving Jewish people. God is still, and God will always be saving Jewish people. We're going to get further on where he's going to talk about there's still a plan for Israel. And here's debate over what that means. What does that mean where God still has a plan for Israel? The point is God does and did love his people that he chose, but that doesn't mean that God didn't judge them for their disobedience and sin. So Israel sought being right through their works and lack of faith in God. They thought, remember, chapter 10, we're going to establish our own righteousness. No, it's not going to work. Within Israel, God chose a remnant to be saved solely based on God's grace. Not based on the fact that they were Jewish, but based on God's grace. The rest of Israel was blinded because of their unbelief. It was judicial judging. And this is something that is so sobering. God owes no one salvation. And whenever he determines, he can choose to let us stay in our rejection of him. That's a sobering thought. And this is what happened to Israel. They were blinded because of their unbelief. But even in God judging them, it was still for a purpose. That's the sovereign God, that the Gentiles might be grafted in. We're going to deal with that later on, what all that is talking about. But the point is, they rejected God, and God judged them for that rejection. This is something that, that ought to sober us to know that if I'm constantly no God, no God, no God, what if the sovereign, all-powerful God said, you be sealed in that then? That's, your, that's what you want? You got it. And steps away. Wow. That's sobering. Oh, my God, I thought God was a God of love. No, God is a God of love. And mercy and patience and long-suffering. But he's also the God who says, I will not always strive with man. And, and, and this, is, this ought to bring us compassion as we're talking to people who don't know the Lord, I know it's easy to get frustrated. Like, oh, the guy, he's just so, oh, oh, he's just so, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop. Don't be so quick to just throw your hands up. You don't have a right to give up on somebody. Only God does. <laughs> God can give up on them, not you. Because none of us can sit there and say, I think God's given that guy over to a reprobate mind. You, you don't know that. What if somebody said that about you before you came to know Christ? So, so we got to be careful with this, right? But, but we see this also back in Romans 1. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Total rejection of God, suppressing who God is. Here's the sobering thought. 
24. Therefore, God gave them up. Turned them over. Gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Why? Because God's so unfair. No, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. They did that. God didn't do that. God didn't do that. Why didn't God stop them? They didn't want to be stopped. They said, God, I don't want you. And God, watch this, this might hit you the wrong way, out of love, says, okay. I ain't forcing no relationship. Wow. Ever think about it that way? We don't want you, God. I don't want your truth. Have at it. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed we need to understand that God is a just God. God is a just God. But we see in this passage, we see in the passage Paul's talking about, there can come a time, there has come times historically, particularly with the nation of Israel in our context, where God turned them over to their own destruction because of their unbelief. Their unbelief. I think about the scripture that says God's willing that no man should perish. So why do people perish? They exchange the truth of God for a lie. They suppress the truth of God. I don't want you, God. I don't want you. And God steps back and he judges them and he blinds their eyes and he seals them in that cave. That's what you want, there you go. That's not God's fault. We need to keep in our mind, though. We don't know when a person gets to that point. So don't you ever stop proclaiming the love of Christ to people. In love, don't ever throw your hands up and say, I'm done. Now, the person that you're talking with is like, uh, excuse me, could you do me a favor? Could you please shut up and stop talking to me about Jesus Christ? Don't ever call me again about it. What am I going to do? I'm going to stop talking about it. I'm not going to keep calling. Well, no, I need to talk. No, what is he saying? I don't want it. But there are others who are just, you talk to them and you have this conversation. Yeah, I know, but I'm just, nah, that's not for me. Keep pursuing after them in love. Don't be annoying, but just keep praying for them. Because you never know at what point the Holy Spirit, as he's convicting them, that they'll bow the knee. They'll bow the knee. Don't be discouraged about what's going on in our culture. God's still in control. And he's raising up believers worldwide. He's drawing people to himself. He's saving people. He's building his kingdom. You be where you're supposed to be. You be where you're supposed to be. Leave the ultimate condemnation of man to God. But proclaim the grace of God to all people. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you that we came to know you because of your grace, because of you opening up our eyes to see. And God, so many people are still walking in blindness, spiritual darkness. Some have never heard. God, help us to 
to faithfully proclaim the gospel, to speak the truth in love. And Father, to know that you are sovereign, your plan is going to go forth as you've decreed it. But Father, you use us, you work through us. How shall they hear if no one preach? So God, help us to take that mission seriously in our own sphere of influence. Give us the words to say. Use us to proclaim the gospel. And Father, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you for the grace that has saved us. And we are forever yours because of it. In Christ's name. Thanks for tuning in to the AFC Podcast. I hope and pray today's word has challenged you to align your thinking with God's word. If you would like to come visit us for one of our services, we would love to have you. We are located at 457 West Allen Street in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We are in what is called the Daybreak Room, which is housed in the Dubs Community Center. 457 West Allen Street, Allentown, PA. Our services start at 1 p.m. So if you're looking for a church that sticks to the word of God, come on out and join us. We'd love to see you. Till next time, God bless.